0: Welcome, a oh listener, to another episode of Spam, 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 Humbug. This is episode 137 of the podcast, and we have another interesting episode lined up for you. This episode was actually recorded a few weeks ago while I was still in Bismarck, North Dakota. It starts with me and Golem Dragon discussing some then-recent screenshots released uh, by Catnip Games to show off some of the lands that will be the Setting of episode two of shroud of the avatar we weren't terribly impressed let's just leave it at that we talk a little bit about sonic the hedgehog the movie uh how it's doing at the box office or how it was doing at the box office at the time compared to like birds of prey and how this was kind of upsetting some people online we talk a little bit about tim sweeney and epic games some of his comments made about the politicization of games we talk about star trek star trek picard we talk about sort of the darker turn in entertainment how this kind of seems to be mirroring the 70s, which gives me a little bit of hope that we might see, you know, another Star Wars-like property come along. Because, you know, if you actually look into the history of why George Lucas formed Star Wars the way he did, he was really trying to tell, you know, a more hopeful tale in a time when most of the sci-fi was definitely dark and apocalyptic and, you know, just kind of grim. And we seem to be seeing a return to that grimness in our entertainment these days. We talk about games as a telos, a vehicle for purpose in a world that doesn't otherwise posit a lot of purpose to the human person. We talk about the PlayStation 5. We talk about loss leading in console sales. We talk about Xbox and Game Pass, and Dauntless is apparently out for the Nintendo Switch. I didn't realize this, but there it is. It doesn't perform all that well in some cases, but hey, it's a thing. And we end up this part of the conversation talking about hotel Wi-Fi and VPNs and why you should use a VPN. Not that I'm going to try and sell you one like some other podcasts that said, this episode is actually the first part. It's going to be a two-parter. We recorded about two and a half hours of conversation. Draxneth joins in kind of midway in this episode and then again in the next half. Harmony Dragon is a fixture of the next half as well. So, you know, look for that in a couple of weeks. And I hope everyone's doing fine because we are living in some very interesting times. I know, you know, I'm working from home. Uh, My wife's a nurse, so she is not. My kids are all home from school, we're doing the uh, social distancing thing, as I'm sure many of you out there listening are. So, um, I'm going to actually maybe look next week, I'll see what I can manage, maybe look at actually trying to do, um, just be online more on the Discord more, in case people do want to talk and chat, and who knows, maybe we'll get some episodes out of that as well. Right now, this whole week has just been a mad scramble, with school being cancelled very suddenly over the last weekend. Uh, here in Alberta and just you know trying to figure that out and trying to figure out how to keep the kids active trying to figure out uh, just what is happening right now and then of course dealing with things like you know the food hoarding and everything oh my gosh like it's just been it's been crazy but trying to get this episode out for you to enjoy and I hope that you do of course we are hosted on anchor.fm newer, much more social podcast hosting platform. You can find us at anchor.fm slash ssshpodcast or at spamspamspamhumbug.com. Like us, follow us, share us, you know the drill. And if you do the smart home thing, Apple HomePod, Google Home, you can ask your smart assistant to play the podcast for you, and they should be able to do that. As always, of course, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by our Patreon backers. Thank you to everyone who supports spam 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 humbug and the ultima codex by that means and in particular a hearty thank you to our co-producers seth golden flame chris dominic violation cranberry christopher bruce dark Bruce, dark wraith dragon hellgruff gronk pascal and thorwan okay let's get on with the show
1: I have no clue what we even want to talk about tonight
0: well there's that awful screenshot that just has not will not get itself out of my brain awful screenshot
1: you're gonna have to refresh the, my
0: memory again uh, the one that we've been riffing on that demord posted uh? oh have you not been oh well i guess being uh convalescing you may have missed the drama in the uh Shroud of the Avatar Channel on the UDIC uh
1: I gotta go look here and see. You're
0: gonna have to scroll back a while. The
1: discussion went all kinds of sideways. Ooh, gladi. Ten points to everyone knows where that's from.
0: <sighs> Robin Hood, yo. Yes.
1: Wait, is that the one about from last night? Yeah, there's like a picture of the waterfall of a waterfall or something. Why does it look more like a picture taken from the um, proof of concept?
0: Uh, well, apparently it was taken in the Unity editor. That explains so much. I suppose so because yeah, I guess they wouldn't have um, all of like the shader effects and everything necessarily turned on.
1: Like yes, they've improved some things, but they also at the same time also are, you know it's not all that amazing. Well, I don't know that I would count
0: much in that screenshot as...
1: The background looks good.
0: The background looks really good, I think. Yeah. But uh, I direct your eyes, in particular, to the waterfall on the left-hand side.
1: Wait, why is there more water coming off the lower part than you have off the upper part?
0: Why does that break look like something out of Neverwinter Nights 2?
1: Yes, that too. No, that is not well done art. Like, no.
0: No. It's terrible.
1: Nope, time for some fun, some heads to roll, or someone to go back. Let me tell you guys, maybe they used some stock art, and they just never replaced it and tweaked it so it actually fit the environment? Maybe, I don't know, but it's just... it, I mean, it wouldn't uh, be the first time.
0: It wouldn't be, and that's I mean, depressing. That's
1: really terribly bad, uh, what is it, fish um, masks that they did at one time? Oh, yes.
2: There was a whole
1: debacle. Yeah, it's like, hey, let's just turn around a Unity asset and make money because people are idiots. It's like, well, yeah, I know people are idiots, but come on.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that, yes, I've forgotten all about that. Thank you for that.
1: <sighs>
0: but no, it's just, honestly, the first thought I saw, or the first thought I had when I saw that image was just, I would be somewhat embarrassed if I were making like a Neverwinter Nights 2 based fan project and I was for a time so I'm not speaking here you know entirely pulling things out of my ass but uh, I, I would be embarrassed to to post a screenshot with yeah. some of the issues that are in that picture you know and I highlight the waterfall because I think it's the worst but still like it's just the background looks beautiful the background's lovely you know, whatever's going on in the background there although
1: I mean I kind of question the, some of the trees a little bit with the angle. Like is the sure, land suddenly higher up on the ones on we'll, the lower left? We'll go with a little bit. Sure.
0: Like the, the, the trees look bad. The grass looks bad. The waterfall looks bad. The textures on the path are so muddy. It's not even funny. <laughs> the scale of the grass. It's like, okay. Are they living in like huge? Yes. That's grass? also ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, I realize lawnmowers haven't been invented in Novia, but get the kobolds on it. I'm sure they can think of something.
1: Well, The size were used as lawnmowers for how long? Yeah. Well,
0: yeah.
1: a farming utensil. I mean, come on.
0: Yes. Uh, So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. The background looks lovely, but I gotta say, okay, like fine if you want to do like a serpentile thing. It was already questionable enough that the topographic view looked like the silver serpent emblem. But if you're actually telling me that the shape of the land is like a snake with open jaws rising up out of the water.
1: Yeah, no. Like, uh, mm,
0: mm. no. <sighs> yeah. I just. I think I'd rather go and research the skirts that the male crewmen wore in the first couple seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation. And that's not entirely a non sequitur because I was chatting about that with ZX Dragon on Facebook <laughs> the other day.
1: <laughs> yeah, wasn't that dude just because of, like, They needed people. They needed bodies. Well, I mean, I think they were trying to like show
0: something about the future and whatever, you know, Gene Roddenberry liked to to comment about that and it was probably, you know, some attempt to, but no, (laughs) you know how that started. So the Canadian military is evidently trying to evaluate new means of um, attracting um, youth Mm -hmm. to its ranks and in particular young women and Mm -hmm. uh, among the think that they have mooted as potential ideas includes a redesign of the female dress uniform that incorporates a more shapely and somewhat shorter skirt.
1: See, there's some people who are going to love that and then there's some people who are just going to hate it no matter what.
0: And then there's assholes like me who post that news clip on Facebook and say, so are you telling me that during the Kirk era, Starfleet was in the middle of a massive recruitment drive to onboard additional female officers?
1: Actually, I could see that happening.
0: Well, sure, yeah, but I mean, you know. I mean, just look at how
1: um, Patrick Stewart's kind of gone all political, and it's like, really, really. Does the Sonic Sonic movie not completely prove the point of what people want nowadays? (laughs) Written and marketed and whatnot?
0: Yeah, well.
1: There's a whole topic we can get into, but. No, I honestly
0: know. haven't been following, I honestly haven't been following the Sonic movie itself and how well or not well it's been doing. I assume
1: though it's doing well. It is on a roll to outdo Birds of Prey of all things, maybe even.
0: That was the thing. I remember seeing a little bit of a news article about that regarding
1: like, um. It could be actually a, one of the best selling theater ones for comic book movies, which is a little weird. Yeah, just a little. Never saw that um, coming. I mean, we've all seen the Doom movie. We've all seen certain other ones that are just bad.
0: Well, and you know, that's especially funny to me given like the backlash that that movie initially got when they did their first trailer and Sonic looked (laughs) somewhat different than he
1: ought to.
2: That was so bad. (laughs) Hey, let's
1: anthropomorphize him in a way that is distracting and weird. And they wonder why the cats one that was all done with the digital work was so not well taken. People well, a had a of suspension of, issues, of but. disbelief. Oh well, yeah, there's that too. But yes,
0: no, noted. And yeah, there was a huge, and but you know, to their credit, they went back and they actually reworked Sonic and he looks good in the trailers. He looks, he looks no. like Sonic.
1: From everyone no. I know who's seen it, it's this way. It's, it may not be an amazing movie story-wise. It's, it's got a okay story. It's the it's good, you know, friendship type story, you know, road trip adventure type. Sure, carries Jim Carrey. You get exactly what you expect out of him, but for sure, you know they have enough. You know enough of it where it respects the fans and the history of the series, but it's still its own unique thing. Where it's just it tells a story. There's no stupid overt politics or any of that bullshit. It just tries <sighs> to tell a good story. Era, you know, it just tells a good story, and it's like, hmm, and it's family friendly. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah that was the that was the news article that I saw. I don't remember if this was Kern or somebody else that tweeted this out, but it was basically just screenshots of a whole bunch of different Twitter profiles all tweeting basically the same thing. I took my husband and two sons to see Sonic movie, blah blah blah, something about it being like misogynist and transphobic, so we all went and saw Birds of Prey instead. It's like there's like this concerted almost bot like thing going on right now where people are like trying to throw shade on Sonic and put traffic towards Birds of Prey.
1: Well, it's such Birds of Prey was so underwhelming revenue-wise. It's Balloon. a little scary. Like I think they're actually afraid of how bad it's doing.
0: Well, but if I recall correctly, Birds of Prey did kind of get politicized. I mean, I don't I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know if the movie itself is politicized. But certainly, I think some of its marketing got that way.
1: No, the how they marketed it and everything. Yeah, it basically.
0: It's, it's it. it pff, hello, it, it's Terminator Dark Fate all over again.
1: People wonder why people don't like that. It's like, no, we just want a good story. You know, Ricky Gervais warned us. Let's see, what was the movie here? Uh, I'll put the article here. It's, uh, let's see. It's coming up pretty close to what will probably be a $55 million opening weekend, which, wow, that's amazing. And the fact that it's got such positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes from fans or people who actually, like, went to the movie. Hmm. It's ridiculous, but like Birds of Prey on the second weekend is maybe going to get 20 million after only a 33 million opening. So like in one weekend Sonic is going to do Birds of Prey. What does ouch. that say? I'm not sure. But
0: uh
1: but ouch. Yeah. It's a little weird, but it's almost, you know, you look at Notice the last the last really good video game movie was what the Pikachu detective one? Oh yeah, I heard good things. And that was another one of those where hey, Let's take out the politics, let's take out all this other insular stuff. Just, just make a good story, <laughs> entertaining movie, and again, family friendly. Yeah. Well, gosh, fans mean... respect because you know they actually made the Pokemon look good. You know, you would recognize them. They're not this bastard in this version.
0: Uh, well, even like, you know, there's been some of that in the gaming community today too. Like, I think Tim Sweeney was, I gotta look this up, but, uh, he yeah, recently I quoted, uh, where was he at? Hang on. This one, this one is worth looking up. This one might be something to, uh, politics in games,
1: no game uh, games. I can, I can type. Oh, that really Verge article that was done recently. Maybe he was like something about how games can be political, but they need games. To have should, somebody yeah, companies should
0: stay out of the politics.
1: Exactly. Like, obviously, politics are going to be in any creative endeavor, typically, especially ones where you're telling a story. You know, Deus Ex is a great example. You have politics in it, but it's not like such an overt thing where the companies, you know. Kind of push an agenda. It's just hey, here's a topic. Here's various sides to it. Have fun with a great story and have a little fun debate. And it's like perfect. Everyone's happy.
0: Yeah. Now, of course, it's amazing how many, you know, like I searched up that, and you get the Verge article first, and the Verge article is correct in its headline. It says Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney thinks games can be political, but gaming companies should stay out of politics. That's not, you know, that's a fairish representation of what he said. But then I scroll down and it's like um, Joy Freak is like Epic Games. Tim Sweeney wants to ban politics from games, and you know, just a bunch of other uh, a bunch of other sites picked. Screen Rant had the same thing. Um, <clears throat> IGN, you know, there was a uh, you know, all of these sites, big and you know, big time and small fry kind of picked up and ran with the, Oh my gosh, Tim Sweeney wants to ban politics from games, which is not what he said.
1: They oh. don't want that. If you completely remove politics, 100%, you tend to get a little boring. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's kind of, you know, and, and I mean, this is something that we've talked about on the discord before, right? It's like, Oh yeah. You know, if, if I want a sermon, um, well I go to mass and that's where I expect to find one. If I'm sitting down to play, uh, Some escapist entertainment, I'm not exactly that that, that's not when I'm looking for a sermon. Yeah, pretty much. I don't mind, you know, I don't mind the game addressing a political issue in the same way that I don't mind a movie or a TV show addressing a political issue, but not in, you know, that not in that
1: doctrinal sort of way, right? You know? Oh yeah. I use MASH as a great example. It's that's a show where they were always making political points in every almost every episode. And it was never done in preacher preachy holier than thou shove it down your throat, whatever phrase you want to go with manner. But there were some great points that they had in in there and you don't see that sort of soft touch kind of style as much as you should. It's like they the same thing focused on telling a good story in each episode. And yeah, certain topics are going to come up because when it fit the setting, it fit the story, it fit the world that they had created. But at the same time, you're not going to purposely avoid certain topics just to try to not offend anyone. It's just well executed.
0: Exactly, and and I mean, and I think Umbre made you know exactly that point. It's like if you give me good gameplay, I'll sit through almost anything. Oh yeah, it was like
1: the first two Life is Strange games. The story was so well done, and was so enjoyable to go through everything. And there were politics injected into. Both those games, Life is Strange, sure. And Storm, but once you get to the second, the third game, Life is Strange Two, it changed the whole tone and how they addressed some of that stuff changed to the point where it's not as much fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing, you know. It's all fine to make your point, but if you're making some form of entertainment media, the entertainment aspect comes first. Yeah, <laughs> and if that if that gets a sacrificed for the sake of making a particular point in
1: a particular way, then you have failed in some way. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that was really kind of along the lines of what his whole point was. It's like, Hey, no, it's fine to do all this stuff and have, you know, make points in your games from all sorts of different perspectives and not, you know, judge your judge, the gaming community for which sides any of us may take on stuff. But the whole getting involved in politics is a, this is the way people need to think was just, it's such a mistake. He's made that well, mistake himself many times. So it was mm-hmm. kind of nice to hear him kind of almost walk himself back a little bit. Yep. He never apologized for his own failings in that, but.
0: No, but. that's. I mean, these days apologizing is kind of risky. Uh, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> often as not, it's taken as an admission of guilt, but. <clears throat> you know, the, the other thought I had there is that, I mean, even from a pure marketing standpoint, what he says makes sense.
1: Oh yeah, you're just going to drive people away.
0: Exactly. And, you know, it's, yeah, exactly. Right. It doesn't matter, you know, if you are, yeah, that, you know, that, that kind of vocal political activism, um, especially, you know, outside of the game. Right. Like it's one thing if there's a political message being delivered in the game or a political issue being tackled in the game. But it's another thing entirely if, you know, outside of the game, the developer themselves are politically activist. Uh, Because the minute you get into that, regardless of the direction of that activism, you're alienating someone who might otherwise play your game. And you're really
1: just kind of shooting yourself in the foot. (laughs) Well, case in point, the Captain Marvel Marvel movie, they alienated a lot of people who we're excited to see that particular character. But once they realized it wasn't going to be about the story, it was all about the actress playing her and political stuff. It's like, nah, we'll just wait. We'll watch it on Netflix or something like that.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I still haven't seen that. And I'm still kind of in my post end game Marvel slump. So I'm just like, eh, I could go back and watch it, but meh. Not really. I, I did just realize though, that uh, if I, uh, if I, if I use my, um, Folks in law's Shaw login. I can access Picard episodes
1: online. I have no interest to watch it after his, some of his virtue signaling and other bullshit. It's like, nah, I'm not going to give CBS money to watch it. I get a chance to watch it for, you know, something I'm already paying a subscription thing for. Great. I'll watch it then just cause it's Star Trek, but hmm. I'm not going to go out of my way and give extra money.
0: Yeah. I think you know it's weird because like I I can watch the episodes at home with my cable subscription but if I use my cable provider's login to log into CTV Sci-Fi um which is like you know the Canadian sci-fi channel I'm not allowed to watch the Picard episodes even though I can stream them at home for free through my cable provider but if I use my cable provider login with CTV Sci-Fi it says I can't watch the episodes but if I use my folks in-laws login then it works just fine So I don't know what's going on there, but I might, I might check out a couple episodes. I mean, I was not the biggest TNG fan. I'm kind of more in the DS9s camp, but equally this would seem to involve the Borg. And my curiosity is always piqued by the Borg.
1: Yeah, I think they were probably one of my two favorite races. The other one being obviously Q. Well,
0: Yes. Apparently he's supposed to be somewhere in this series. I imagine they'll introduce him like right at the end. But apparently they have some set photos where John Delancey is very obviously there.
2: Aw yay.
0: Wait a yeah, be. be. I know, right? My my prediction did not come true though. Mm-hmm. I remember back when they announced this thing, I was riffing that, you know, it was mostly gonna be like the first season was mostly gonna be like wine and wine making and wine reviews. And then Cisco joins in the second season. It becomes more of like a cooking show with wine pairings. I do not remember that. Oh yeah. I had some fun with that one. This seems a little bit more action oriented, but, but I got to say what's with all the swearing like discovery and now Picard, like what's with all the swearing. You know
1: what? I don't understand that either. Sometimes okay, swearing when it's, it fits the situation or makes sense can be really good. And actually, you know, Work, but sometimes it's just like, do you have to use it every other word? Yeah, well, and
0: like it's not gratuitous, but at the same time, it's like that was never really a Star Trek thing, right? Was you know using language to for using language of a colorful nature for emphasis in a scene, right? Like, I mean, okay, there was that one scene in Generations, I don't recall now off the top of my head, where Data's like, "Oh shit," but. That was almost played for laughs because it's data, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, whereas this, like, a- a- as fun, okay. Also, why does the Romulan have an Irish, ac- Irish accent? But as fun as it is to see, you know, the housekeeper like mouth cheeky feckers. It's like, okay, I love you, Lilt. I love the Irish accent. I do. But you're Romulan. Why? What? Um. Or the Admiral just, you know, blatantly telling Picard to, fuck off it's like okay, there's the explicit tag for the episode um but like okay i don't what i, I don't but the, i don't know like i mean just lately like cbs has definitely been pivoting Trek to a more adult direction right you know we had the bizarre cling on nudity and discovery uh plus some language now we have picard doing whatever it's doing
1: wow Kind of, me just thinks it's a whole culture shift from what we had in the '80s and '90s. I suppose it's something to that. Which I completely understand. It's, we're far enough removed now from those two decades where it's like, yeah, some things are just going to be different. But
0: it's almost, in a way, like we're going back to 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 like the '70s, right? Because I mean, that was the which, in some ways, gives me hope for you know where entertainment's going to go next. Because like that was. That was what George Lucas was rebelling against with the first Star Wars movie, right? Yeah. That was kind of, you know, we're talking post-Vietnam and the height of the nuclear era and lots of saber-rattling between the US and the oil crisis, I think, was raging at the time. And you saw that in a lot of the fiction, but especially in sci-fi, right? Like there was that turn towards the apocalyptic and the
1: dark kind of uh, themes. Well, yeah, with MASH 2 in the 70s, you had some pretty dark themes at times. For sure. And Star Wars was
0: really that was a, a rebellion one. against that. You know, George Lucas was like, no, 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 no. Like, I want to tell, you know, we don't need another grim story. We need a more hopeful story. You know, people need.
1: A hero and, you know, all those yeah. sort of little yeah. almost fairy tale type ones that you kind of look for.
0: Yeah, that that's literally what he was going for. And I mean, dude. You oh, look at
1: video yeah. games. How many reasons do people play games where it's an RPG or an adventure where there's a hero or even a shooter where you're playing the hero or heroine? Exactly. We kind of like that. There's a,
0: there's a niche market for like you know, games where you're the anti-hero or <laughs> villain, but there's not mm-hmm. too many of them out there. Over for most those who want a good series? You a,
2: most of them give you a larger than life because or give you a higher purpose.
1: Something oh, yeah, that we currently lack
2: in real life,
0: well, there's that too, but yeah, just that, that whole I mean,
1: philosophical thing of finding meaning in life all over again. It's like we're almost repeating history again, so that's yeah. what I
0: th- that's kind of where I was going. So we kind of seem to be coming around in the cycle again, you know, now everything is kind of turning back towards the grim. It's not the threat of, you know, nuclear annihilation that hangs over everything. It's doom and gloom of a different kind. but you know, we seem to be trending that way in our entertainment media as well, except, you know, in maybe games but not, I mean, games kind of always have thrown that, you know, especially shooters are very good at throwing that nightmare scenario out in, in front of us and be just like, Oh my God, you know, the world is ending and blah, 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 blah. But like you say, you're the hero that is going to blast your way through all of that and somehow set it
1: right. Yeah. Part of me kind of blames a lot of stuff with, education and parents and other stuff where some of that loss of focus on sort of a purpose in life has kind of gone one particular route and people kind of need that. That's, I think that's why like the Harry Potter books became very popular and some of these ones are, yeah, there's some of that grim, but there's the hero. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's that sense of, you know, that what you and do is larger than life. A little bit too, you
1: know? Yeah.
0: For sure. Um. I, I totally get that.
1: I, I think that's uh, almost been like a benefit to sort of some of the younger generation is starting to have that happen. We just need it to continue, and I just sometimes have fears it's not going to. And almost like They're almost trying to squash it a little bit.
2: Um, um, uh, one of the things I'm exploring on my game, it's uh, mostly on the part of the world building and the way I want to present the game, is... Uh, the different takes on sexuality and sexual identity the, by the different races that appear in the game, in the story, in that world. Uh One of the things that make them, uh, that may distinguish them is humans are pretty much like the humans we know uh, for most cultures. I mean, there's a sort of a, hard gender roles that are established. A woman dress in a certain fashion. Men dress in a very different way than woman. There's a distinction in that, mainly. The other races have a different take on fashion. Uh, most of the other races dress the same way, whether they're male or female. They it's uh, It's quite different. Also, the there are some of the races have really no no sexual thoughts or no sexual interest during certain seasons of the year. Uh, it just dies out, and then it, it comes back on, on a certain season. And there are those who are very. Uh, Uh, how should I put it, Uh, take too many liberties in that matter, others that are more conservative, but each race feels different in terms of the way they they define themselves sexually or not, and then how they express their sexuality in general.
0: Well, that, but I mean, like, we're kind of talking about something a little bit more than that, right? Where it's sort of more... (sighs) Not that sexuality isn't part of it, but, you know, it's just sort of more that general sense of, I don't know if the right word would be like malaise or, or what, what necessarily, you know, I mean, in my, <laughs> in my more cynical moments, I might call it, you know, a right nihilistic, but I maybe it's not quite that bad, but just sort of that general, they're just... I think one of the reasons that, you know, and Golem was hitting at this point already is that one of the reasons that people really flock to games or flock to stories like, you know, the Avengers, um, is that these are stories about people with purpose. These are stories about people who maybe by design, or maybe because circumstances are thrust upon them have to go far far beyond themselves far far beyond what they would normally consider to be within the realm of their capability in the service of something greater than themselves which is i think a sense that increasingly a lot of people aren't finding today in their day-to-day lives some some people are but it's it's less of a thing right especially as we see sort of a waning of traditional religion, um, at least in Western countries, um, there's not really something coming in to take the place of that teleological sensibility that traditional religion brings, right? That sense that, you know, your life has a purpose beyond merely um, consuming and procreating, that it is ordered towards a higher truth. And even if you reject, you know, the particular philosophies of Christianity or Islam or Judaism or whatever, um, to actually remove that sensibility from the human person does create a bit of a vacuum and kind of leaves a bit of a hunger in that, in the person that, you know, how do they fill it? Well, superhero stories aren't a bad one. Playing video games where you are the hero that's even better because now you have a bit of that agency again. You're not just watching an event play out that you don't control.
1: Yeah. And with some of these hero type games, you have thankfully a lot of developers that kind of put in some of that self-responsibility aspect into it with, you know, the choice and decision-making ones where you're responsible for your decisions and what you do then affects the world around you. That whole sense of self-responsibility for your words and deeds is something that I think, it's kind of been lost. A lot of people just don't expect consequences or don't want to take responsibility for their decisions or in some ways, lack of decision-making.
0: Yeah. There's that too. I mean, how many people like agonizing over every, you know, moral choice that mass effect throws at them, but would shy away from having to do so in real life.
1: Oh yeah. When it comes <laughs> to making the tough choice or taking advantage of opportunity, some people are just like, no, I'm just going to sit back. It's like, no, no, Sometimes it's kind of fun to actually have that. And it's good to realize that, hey, if you can do it in games, it's not all that different to do it in real life.
2: It's not very different, but... You don't get save
0: games in real life,
2: though. I don't about real life. Maybe, that fear the, uh, back.
1: maybe having a save anywhere and be able to reload anywhere is something we need to do a little less of.
0: Of course, I, I riff that you don't have save games in real life, but then on the other hand, you you know, in more story-driven MMOs, you don't have save games either. And yet those are also popular and people play those. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I make a decision in Star Wars The Old Republic, I can't revert to five minutes before I made that decision and play the sequence again.
2: But Barring there are like no major rollback. consequences most of the time.
0: Well, and I, I mean, that, okay, that's kind of the flip side of it too, is that in an MMORPG, it's a little bit hard to have truly persistent consequences based on the actions of a single player right that kind of defeats the purpose of it being an MMO um, and equally only the hardest of hardcore single-player games deny you the opportunity to save at all you basically have to be playing on you know well permadeath mode exists in some games but it's you know it's the hardcore setting so I don't know it's weird but um you know video games continue to be insanely popular i haven't looked at the latest numbers but someone i was reading i think on twitter was on about the fact that you know nowadays the gaming market is pulling in more than music and film combined which wow if so <laughs> but it kind of makes sense and the room gets eerily quiet that or someone's microphone is broken <laughs>
1: Phone's being a side <laughs> distraction at the same time. Yeah, it happens. Ugh,
0: I've got mine here. That's uh, that's how I can sort of quietly tap show notes out because you know keyboards sound uh, sound quite loud in the microphone. But tapping on the on the <laughs> damn it. Um, but you know, <laughs> tapping on the screen of my phone, not so much.
1: Oh, yeah, I was finishing my game earlier, so we had the most clicking in the early part. <laughs> Have yeah. fun editing that.
0: You know what? Actually, it's not that bad. Uh, like I'm going through episode 135 right now, and I've started to, you know, I've started in advance a little bit, but I'm getting very good at picking out the waveforms that are short bursts of speech versus waveforms that are particularly loud key presses. Um, so,
1: <laughs> well, one of our I'm, friends definitely uh, encourages the learning of the keyboard sounds.
0: Yeah, well, and so it's not that bad. Same
1: like, yeah. <laughs> So
0: I've you no, know, I uh I sat down for it's always hard going out for dinner on Valentine's Day when you know I'm like far away from home, right? Because I'm like the only single guy at the bar. Um uh so if
1: only you weren't went, married, then there'd be an advantage to it. Unless well, you're getting I, free drinks despite being married. Then there's an advantage there.
0: No, not really, but I mean the company's paying for it, so okay, whatever. That works. Um yeah, I went back to I love the food scene here in, in Mark. Uh it really is good. I I was going to go to a restaurant locally called The Walrus. I did stick my nose in the door, but the line was nearly out the door. So I'm like, eh, no, okay, thanks. Um, I did see an open seat at the bar, but I'm just like, I don't really want to walk past all these people and be that guy. So I went to another place (laughs) called Peacock Alley, which um, was also fairly full, but there was some space at the bar. So I just sat down there and I cracked open my laptop and started working on episode 135. I got my headphones and just kind of, listen for a bit and then make a note. Oh, there's a key press there. Stop, silence it out and then keep going. Um, I did not know what the hanger steak was before I I came down here this time around. And I'm not sure I can eat steak again. That is not hanger steak. steak. Who am I kidding? I probably can. I love steak, but (laughs) um, yeah, the Peacock Alley here has a, um, they have a hanger steak on the menu and it's just, it is so tender and flavorful and it's like oh this is just i oh this is so good so that has been uh that has been and it's also easy to find a really good
1: ipa around happy oh yeah upper midwest we love her alcohol (laughs) (laughs) hey
0: (laughs) i i have no complaints uh none at all uh, I this, I mean, I have had nothing but IPAs this trip, and uh, I have not had the same one twice, and I have not been disappointed in the one that I've had. Yeah.
1: That's one of the few advantages of being up north here. Is our alcohol, our food, and typically snow. We got pretty yeah, much what we a, need right there.
0: There's a bit of snow. There's a bit of snow. Bismarck doesn't get a lot of snow,
1: apparently. But... No, not like there's here. We got a, a couple inches, what, Thursday? Ooh. That was fun. We also hit, yeah, what, like, negative eight before wind chill at one point?
0: Yeah, I got pretty cold. Got pretty cold here, too. So nice. I only speak Canadian, but, you know, minus 36 is is cold.
1: It's cold enough. That's Celsius for you? Yes.
2: Okay. Oh,
0: yeah. but.
1: I had to convert that in my head for a second. Hmm.
0: I, I have to admit, I am a little bit happy, though, that uh, I, uh just to come back to the topic of religion for only a moment, um, but I uh, I found a Byzantine parish not too far from here. Ooh, Yes. It's always... Those I, are fun to go to. I grew up in the Eastern Rite, right? But like my wife mm-hmm. is very much in the Western Rite and the church we go to regularly is a Western Rite church. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's, it's a Catholic church. Um, but there is just it'll always feel a little alien to me to just, it'll always feel a little strange to me. You know, every time I can walk into something on the Eastern right side, it's like, Oh, this is like, this is home. My my daughter was even giving me the grill about this the other day. She's like, why do you cross yourself with three fingers? It's like, we learned in confirmation class that we're supposed to use two fingers. And I'm just like, well, yes, that's the Western way of doing it. But you know, it, We do it, you know, when I grew, yeah, the church I grew up in, like we do it with three fingers and actually you extend your other two fingers. They, it all has a symbolism and meaning.
1: Yeah. And all comes down to the wonderful topic of Christian freedom, which is sometimes not something discussed often enough with Mm. confirmation class.
0: Well, I've reviewed the materials and I'll be supplement. Don't get me started (laughs) on that. She hasn't noticed.
1: Well, we could spend probably three or four hours just on that alone.
0: We I could do a whole nother podcast on that alone. Like a whole nother podcast. Not just like an episode, a whole nother podcast.
1: True, true. Um, I'm just thinking tonight though alone we could do like that long and then we'd be like, okay, we're done.
0: (laughs) Stop. True. But you know what? Then again, if I did that, it would just be catching foxes and they would do it better anyways. So if you're curious about whatever we just talked about, catching foxes, look the podcast up. It's good. Um I will say though she hasn't yet noticed that um, when I cross myself I go to the wrong shoulder. Give her time. Yeah, yeah. Sooner or later she'll figure out that she goes left where I go right. Yeah, she'll figure it out. But all these li- all these little nuances. But all yeah, right. Uh, blah. On a new topic. I did put
1: a link into yes. What is this on pricing for PS oh. Five? Their margin for profit on the PS Five is going to be ridiculously small again.
0: Uh, if they're selling PS5s for 450, well, or sorry, if their cost, if their cost is 450, like 499 is as much as you could probably push the console.
1: Yeah, like the original current gen PS4, I believe, was around 381 for cost to manufacture, and they only right. sold them for like 20 bucks more than that. Well, yeah, because you know,
0: I mean, that the switch price all... point was a big deal. The Switch already gets criticized for being pretty close to the, you know, for for being and I mean like that's uh, like the Switch is about 400 bucks in Canada and that's considered a little steep. Yeah. Yeah. Um so, you know, if this is coming in at 450 like
2: but I they're not going
1: like in a like kind 40- of an interesting okay. way. Microsoft has done their whole push of, you know, not so much focusing on the Xbox hardware, not so focusing on Hardware stuff as much in general. Yeah, they got the Hololens. Yes, they got the new Xbox coming out. But they've been focusing so much more on the games aspect the past few E threes and in their marketing. Game Pass sure. is just another extension of that whole sort of game focused, game centered focus for them. Sony, I think, is going to have to embrace that, and they already kind of did with such thin margins and focusing on their first person or their first studio or their uh, primary studio ones like. Um, Zero Dawn, God of War.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Sony um, is almost putting themselves in so the
1: position. And now they, they're they going to have to start doing that more and make it more game focused. And that's where their money making mm-hmm. is going to have to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean, even if they charge, like even if they charge
0: the break-even price, if they're charging 450 bucks US for a PlayStation 4, like that's over $500 in Canada. That's <sighs> that's going to price them out of the market very, very fast. Especially if the Xbox it's going to be cheaper. Whatever, yeah. It comes in at a cheaper price point. Now the alternative is to maybe take the Amazon route. And I think Microsoft did this too, with maybe the first gen of the Xbox is to sell it at a bit of a loss, but then recoup with the content and services side. Right. Cause Amazon, yeah. I mean, when they're selling Kindle fires, you know, when they're selling, you know, if you consider what the Kindle fire is, as a tablet and Amazon is selling that to you for 69 bucks. It's not the most amazing tablet in the world but they're not making money at 69 bucks. (laughs) Definitely not. But that's not the point. They can sell the Kindle Fire at a loss because the Kindle Fire then plugs you into their games and news and books and audio and video ecosystem.
1: Yeah. And with, you know, PlayStation, you got the monthly fee for their little thing. You have PlayStation. Now you have, i expect them to be doing more stuff. Probably kind of expand upon that probably
0: (laughs) but you know like that's my point is that you know one route they could take is you know basically to get soaked a little bit on the price of each individual ps5 in the hopes then that they're going to recoup that with the services right um and then also presumably you know by pushing out content maybe even more content um because like honestly i mean
1: All the content, all the content for consoles, you basically have to pay for multiplayer online, which you're making money every month on that.
0: Yeah. And so maybe that's their, maybe that's their aim, right? Because I mean, ain't nobody going to walk into a Walmart and walk out with a $550 console. That's just not going to (laughs) happen. Buy a cheap laptop for that. Yeah. And then get GeForce now. Not sponsored. No, but I mean, it's, it's a cool idea. Give us money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, every time I every time I log into Anchor, they're just like, "Hey, would you like to ships in your podcast?" No, thanks for asking, but no. You know, there's a Patreon, but patreoncom slash codecs But uh, that's about it. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it's tough to get sponsorship stuff. I tried with one for myself, and it did not work. And I'm like, dang it. They're like, we'd love to, but you're not big enough for us to value it. I'm like, oh, well, and that's the thing, right? Like,
0: I mean, maybe the scouting podcast. I'm contemplating bringing the scouting podcast to anchor because Podbean just keeps annoying the hell out of me, but we shall see. I'd have to build a new website for it though. Although that would be an excuse to get back into Jekyll. So, you
1: know, not a complete loss. The rather interesting thing though, is if the PlayStation, the new PlayStation and new Xbox are going to be so similar in hardware. Why does it look like Xbox is going to be cheaper than PlayStation if the specs are so similar? Like is it who they went with to do the manufacturing or like what? It's a little interesting. It could be yeah, Microsoft I don't know. Is doing that loss leading methodology already, and that's just what the plan already always was for them.
0: Well, they've yeah. done it with I I'm pretty sure they did it with the initial Xbox, like with the first gen Xbox. I'm pretty sure that they're lost leading on The sales of the original Xbox.
1: Yeah, because I do that, and it works sometimes. I will sometimes encourage that, where it's like, "Hey, let's take a little bit of a loss, get it in. If it does well, when price goes back up from the intro price, then we make up for it."
0: Yeah, and I mean it. If you have good, you know, if what's coming in behind whatever you're using as a loss leader is, you know, rock solid and is going to be in demand, then. It's it's totally a valid strategy, right? Like it, I mean it works for Amazon because why do you buy an Amazon Kindle to read books, right? So Amazon knows that they can take a bath on the price of the individual Kindle unit, but most users thereof are going to more than recoup that cost for them with all the books they buy to read on the Kindle unit that they just got. Or you know, on the flip side, I mean people might buy Kindle Fire for their kids, but you know, then they're going to recoup it in App Store, right? Um, they're going to make the money back on that unit. And Microsoft could do it. T- I mean, Microsoft in some ways has an even more, su- you know, an a uh, superior services offering to, um, to Sony because the Microsoft service offering is portable, right? I have Xbox Game Pass. I don't have an Xbox. I have a Windows 10 PC. But if I got an Xbox, I'd be logging in with the same account and my Game Pass would carry over as far as I understand it. Microsoft can actually use that to their advantage, right? Because they're, and they've been pushing for this for years now, sort of that unified platform, right? So that, you know, I have my game on my Xbox, but then I can pick up and play on my PC, and it's really no big deal.
2: Mm. There have been a few adventurous developers, like Phoenix Labs. They're the developers of Dauntless. And there is Crossplay. You can play on PC with players from Xbox and PS4, and I think the Nintendo Switch.
1: Yeah, Sony's starting Just to come on, on the Switch now.
2: And I, it was under development. I I think I don't know if it's already released, but it was going to be included in the cross playing.
0: That would be interesting, because uh, I mean, like I don't I don't really want to mess with kind of take umbra's position on the epic store i don't really want to get into it right now so i don't play i i had a dauntless account when it first launched but then they went epic exclusive and i'm just kind of like whatever i'm not going to bother with this if it comes to the switch though i might look into that but then again i say that about a lot of games these days because sometimes that's all i yep. really have time to play
2: available <laughs> now
0: really for switch
2: free, free download
0: huh i'm gonna have to check that out when i get home
2: yeah let me get you the link
0: yeah, no, I'm kind of curious.
2: There.
0: Wow. Well, good for them. That is kind of cool. Damn.
2: Yeah. Because Monolith didn't get resting uh, you. can play with your friends independently of the console.
0: Well, good. And that's kind of how it should be. Or, yeah, I mean. <clears throat> <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because. <laughs> it's funny because Sony has always been the stick in the mud there. Yeah,
1: they've kind of been starting to kind of realize that there's an advantage that, you know,
0: well, I mean, are people just of,
1: are never going to, people are just not going to buy their console. Sometimes like the Xbox fans are just not going to buy a PlayStation. And all they're well, doing is just alienating people, sometimes buying certain games because they just can't play it with other people.
0: There is that too. Um, You know, I, <laughs> console, the i are almost, there. Yeah. Console loyalties are almost more fierce than automobile loyalties. My goodness. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, it's like, I mean, I come from a Chevrolet family, but I drive a mm-hmm. Mazda. But uh, yeah, I don't think... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so that's less weird than...
2: More, <laughs> there are more weapons now. Don't listen. I mean, surely there was the sword, uh, the axe, hammer... And the uh, chain blades. Then they added a pike, and then two. They added two pistols, and now there are uh, sort of a, sort of gauntlets. Hmm. And each each has a very different play style. am
0: uh, just looking at Nintendo Life's of uh, of Dauntless for the Switch. They say that the gameplay loop is immensely rewarding. It has many, many hours of content. And they praise the crossplay and the online features for their overall ease of use. They do note, however, that loading screens can be rather long, and the frame rate is frequently unstable. Not that that necessarily would bother someone like me, but... Good to know. Good to know. I mean, that's... To be fair, that's going to be sort of a perennial issue for the Switch. Because obviously it is not, you know the same grade of hardware as uh, a current gen xbox or playstation you know m- much the same as uh there- there's a few other games that have made the jump to switch where that has kind of been the takeaway is that you know this is otherwise an amazing port but the frame rate's a bit crap and the textures sometimes get muddy um the witcher 3 for example you know that was that was one notable thing that they said about it but Again, not surprising given what The Witcher is and what the Switch is. So still, that might be good to play. I, I might have to grab that when I get home. The Switch does not like joining Wi-Fi that has a login. But that's okay because I'm totally fine not connecting devices to Wi-Fi, like to hotel Wi-Fi that can't establish their own independent VPNs. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, Except I most of my stuff disconnected actually. From Wi-Fi, like even the uh, Switch, I don't usually connect to Wi-Fi unless I actually don't you know, need to trade, let's say, a Pokemon with a friend or I'm actually doing a download of a game. Even like Comcast, I don't even leave that connected most of the time. Mm.
0: I mean, <clears throat> I'll connect things like, you know, but I'm sitting in the hotel room right now, like the work laptop, I'm not connecting because I have a VPN tunnel back to... You know, that's
1: why I keep VPN corporate. on my phone. If I'm, you know, on any Wi-Fi that's not my home one, that's being used. I don't trust it. Well, you know what? I uh, so one of the podcasts I listen
0: to is Hackable, which is actually produced by McAfee, and mm. they they do seasons, right? So they're they're one of those podcasts that does seasons. So they wrapped up their 2019 season uh, a couple of months ago, maybe November, I want to say. But in their last episode, they did a giveaway. The first so many people that hit a particular link that they gave in the episode would get a year of McAfee Safe Connect VPN, which fortunately I was one of the uh, one of the number. So like I have, and th- with the Safe Connect subscription that you got, it was like, I think it was four devices, three or four devices. So like this laptop, the gaming <laughs> laptop and the phone at least all have Safe Connect installed. And that's like great, you know. Like, I'm talking to you over Safe Connect right now, um, because, yes, in my line of work, yes i I don't trust hotel Wi-Fi as far as I could throw it. Well, help <laughs> found hotel. I I know I've told the story on the podcast before, although this might have been like in one of the earlier, earlier episodes. We're talking years ago now. Um, of you know the one hotel I stayed at in Indiana where the Wi-Fi was legit compromised. Oof. Like it wasn't, I mean, I figured it out pretty quick because, hey, I'm writing codex articles. So I'm always hitting Google images. And all of a sudden Google images looked very different. It's like, this is bad. What the hell? It didn't take long to realize that my DNS was being (laughs) respected. Yes. uh, Didn't use that Wi-Fi again. Had to make do with, uh, some other local, uh, shops and their Wi-Fi. But, uh, DNS changer malware, it was kind of a thing, right? Because in addition to a DNS changer, the way it would work is it would do two things. One, it would obviously like if it compromised your PC, it would change your DNS settings on the PC, but if it could, it would try and brute force the router. And if it could brute force the router, if it could log into the router, it would change the router's DNS settings as well. Now, it's Windows, it was Windows malware, it is Windows malware, it's still out there. Um, it's Windows malware. So it's not like it can install itself on the router in a way that then allows it to propagate, but it can still redirect your DNS traffic to whatever malicious servers in, I think the Ukraine at the time was where it was trying to point everything to, Um So actually, I I figured out eventually that I could circumvent it if I just manually set everything to use Google's public DNS servers, 8888 and 8844. But uh, still, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't trust hotel Wi-Fi at all. To say nothing of the fact that it's usually crap. I mean, I have been in hotels that actually have had decent bandwidth and connectivity, but few and far between.
1: Yeah, anytime I'm in Boston, even with this, you know, higher-end... Very respectable and decent hotel chain. It's like, nope, not gonna risk it.
0: No. It is it is totally not. And you know, now again there's <laughs> now there's other forms that well, now there's been some like interesting phishing attacks that have been going around, you know, targeting people who stay at higher profile hotel chains because they're more likely to be, you know, executives and to have juicy data on their uh PCs.
1: Oh yeah, there's stuff on my phone no. I don't want people to get nothing financial, but still it's not stuff that I want out there.
0: For sure, for sure. But, you know, like, they're targeting these higher-end hotels precisely because executives are more likely to stay at them. And executives are more, you know, I mean, they may not. An executive may actually practice good cyber hygiene. But, you know what? They might also have some really, really interesting documents on, on their PC that uh, could be useful for uh, people looking to do a little bit of stock trading or uh, a little bit of blackmail.
1: Yeah, for encryption
0: <laughs> yeah yes encryption <laughs> is good oh. if you want to join the ultimate dragons you can do so at udic.org where at you can choose your very own dragon name you can also find the ultimate dragons on facebook we have a facebook group there and you can follow at Ultima dragons on twitter or join them on discord And if you're feeling really old school, you can even fire up a Telnet client and check out the Wearmount. Hit up the show notes for links to all of these. If you want to participate more directly in the podcast, you can send us an email. Or if you're feeling a little bit braver, leave us a voice message in one of three places, the podcast website, our Facebook page, or on anchor.fm. And you're also welcome to join us on our Discord server to chat with us, to lurk, or even contribute to podcast recordings when they happen. And again, links in the show notes. If you'd like to support Spam, Spam, Spam Humbug, you can do so at patreon.com slash Ultima Codex, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to episodes the day before they go live to the general public. You'll also get access to behind-the-scenes audio when we have some to share, and possibly other interesting content. But we also welcome your moral support. You can like the Ultima series on Facebook, follow at Ultima Codex on Twitter, or leave the podcast a review on iTunes. And you're also welcome to share our episodes with your friends and social media circles. Spam, Spam, Spam Humbug is a production of the Ultima Codex. You can find show notes online at spam, 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 spamhumbug.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be virtuous.